Good to have Serena with us this morning. I haven't seen you in a long time. And it's good to have you today. Can you make sure Mitra behaves herself? She's really bad most of the time. Hamad just can't handle her. All right, we're going to go ahead and get our Sunday school lessons passed out. If you need a lesson this morning, we're looking at a new lesson today. Uh, that's lesson number 11. Lesson number 11. Uh, a lesson on forbearance. So if you need one of the lessons, put your hand up. And Brother Ahmad will sell you one. Brother Eric has to pay double the price. And open your Bibles with me. Uh, we'll look in the book of, uh, let's look in the book of John today. Uh, we could look at several different uh, books. John chapter number 18. The Gospel of John chapter 18. We could look in Matthew. We could look in Mark. We could look in Luke. Or we could look in John. All four of the Gospels uh, record... Uh, this event that we're going to study this morning. So as you get your lesson, anyone else need a lesson there? Uh, Brother Maud, Joy needs one. Joy and Will. And I think, I think Miss Shirley up here needs one too, Brother Maud, on the front. Brother Maud's getting his workout in this morning. Demetrius said he's getting a bit soft. We're trying to help him. All right, look in your Bibles here, John chapter number 18, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 this morning as we begin our lesson. John chapter 18, starting in verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Sedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. And therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the same might be fulfilled which ye spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, imagine that, Having his sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, and the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captains and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him, and led him away unto Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Let's pray together. Lord, help us this morning as we examine this passage. Lord, as we look together. Lord, as we see Jesus receiving Judas. Lord, as we see how we ought to forbear one another. Lord, I pray you'd help us to receive the lesson that Peter would learn. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be better Christians, to be more like Christ. Bless our time together this morning. Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. 
Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn back to the book of Matthew with me as well, Matthew chapter 26. And we have a, a record, the same account, the same event, but we have a, uh, the Lord gives us a little different perspective of some of the event of that time of Judas coming. In verse 47, here in Matthew 26, we've looked at the first part of Matthew 26 the last several weeks. It says in verse 47, And while the yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, You dirty devil, you reprobate. That's not what he said. Jesus said to him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them, which was with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew a sword. Of course, we know that's Peter from the book of John. And struck the servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword in his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to the Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? And thus it must be. Now we see Peter here uh, reacting. Peter who would pull out a sword as John would record. The Gospel of Matthew, we see it was one, of the, one with him. We know it was Peter. And he chopped off a guy's ear. Can I tell you that I don't believe Peter was aiming for the ear? Uh, I don't believe Peter was saying, yeah, Come at me again and I'll take more than the ear. I think Peter was after the head. Uh, I think Peter was trying to kill him. Peter acted violently. He acted, reacted here of the servants in Judas coming. Peter was angry. Peter was impetuous. By the way, Peter was impetuous quite often. That was kind of the, uh, uh, the attitude of Peter. He was impetuous. How many of you? would join your hands with me and say that sometimes you personally uh, have acted impatiently. Wow, imagine that. We've all been there. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was just me. Uh, how many of you have ever, like me, have ever failed to follow the words we have of David twice in the Psalms to wait in the Lord? Sure we have. Uh, we So often we want to get ahead of God. We want to do what only God can do. We want to get in God's place. We want to get in God's way, if you will. Oftentimes it's easy to react to a situation with the flesh, a situation that the Lord wants us to react with grace, a situation the Lord wants us to rather put away the flesh and Peter here in this passage we're going to begin to look at today learns a little bit about forbearance. Uh, we see that as a Christian, God wants us to be long-suffering, slow to wrath, patient. By the way, those are not naturally occurring attributes for our flesh. Uh, those are not naturally occurring attributes for the human being. <laughs> Rather, those are spiritual attributes. 
but he wants us to be long-suffering, uh, forbearing, patient. Uh, we're commanded to do so by Scripture. The Lord himself set the example. Let me read a few verses for you in Psalm 86. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous of mercy and truth. 2 Corinthians 6, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. That's God's purpose for us. James 1 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to punch. No, no. Uh, be swift to hear. That's the one. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Slow to cutting people's ears off. Uh, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Proverbs 16. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. 2 Timothy 2.24. The servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patience. In James 1, verse 2 through 4, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect worth, that you may be perfect and entire one or nothing. I wanted to see all those verses this morning as we set the stage a bit and foundation to understand that God wants us to be long-suffering, patient, that's the plan of God for us. Now, we look at Peter, and can I tell you who we see in Peter? We see ourselves. We, we see something happening, and Peter says, well, this shouldn't happen. I'm going to stop it. But he forgot he was with Jesus. Uh, he forgot that Jesus could stop it if he wanted to. By the way, Christian, sometimes we forget we're with Jesus. We think we have to control every situation. we got to fix the situation. When in reality, we can trust him, we can forbear, we can wait on the Lord. Number one this morning in your notes, I want you to see with me here in our text in Matthew chapter 26, the betrayal. Now, as we look here in Matthew 26, we see that Judas came to betray him. Now, this is not something that surprised the Lord. By the way, Christian, can I help you with something? Nothing surprises the Lord. Amen. Nothing shocks him. Uh, he never goes, ah! Oh, man, I can't believe that happened. Now, that's, that's what I do when I get on a scale. Ah! Look what happened. It never surprises the Lord. But not only did it not surprise him, but Jesus had told the disciples, he had told them this was going to happen. This passage we're examining, Peter, James, and John, all the other disciples, they shouldn't have been. I can't believe this. This is so shocking. Jesus said, this is going to happen. He, he told them that week before the crucifixion, several times Jesus told them things that were going to happen. He told them this was going to happen. And yet we see the betrayal. In Matthew 6.20, now when the even was come... He sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now, this is just a few hours earlier. As they sat, as the Lord would institute the supper, our remembrance of what he would do for us. 
And it says, They were exceeding sorrowful and began to cry, each one of them, to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. And the Son of Man goeth, that is as written, Woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man that he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Now, I want you to understand, they're all sitting around the table, every one of them, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And Jesus said, The one that dips the sop with me. And, and Peter asked, Jesus didn't, this is the one that dips the sop. Uh, Judas asked. Yep. Imagine the uncomfortable silence that happened there. I imagine Peter wanted to pull the sword out right there and kill him. We know from the that Jesus would say, hey, get out of here. Go do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. The Bible tells us that Satan had entered into Judas that night. And we see here the betrayal that would happen. One of the darkest hours in human history, betrayal of Jesus. The betrayal of Christ. Those who love the Lord, we think of the betrayal of Judas, and it just causes us pain to think that he could turn on the Lord. And yet he did. He did. I mentioned John chapter 13 states that Satan himself entered into Jesus. He was betrayed by Satan himself. David knew what that was like. David knew what it was like to be betrayed. David was betrayed by a trusted friend and a counselor, Ahithophel, a man who would join his own David's son in rebellion against David, one of David's closest advisors. But Judas here betrayed not a close friend but the Lord of glory. Psalm 55 says, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about upon the walls thereof, mischief also and sorrow in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof, deceit and guile. Depart not from her streets, for it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in company. We see here David speaking of his betrayal by a dear friend. Judas betrayed the Lord. How did he do so? Letter A in your notes, we see the kiss of Judas. The kiss of Judas. The word kiss connotes love. Tenderness, affection. Now, if Judas had gone up and smacked the Lord in the face, by the way, as you can tell, my arm's working okay. Uh, had Judas done that, it would have made more sense. Had he gone up with a stave and stabbed him, or kicked him, or tackled him, or anything else, it would have made more sense. But we see that Judas came and kissed him. A sign of affection, a sign of love, and yet a love that was twisted, an affection that was twisted. John 13 says, after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest too quickly. 
understand Judas was controlled by Satan here as he came and kissed the Lord. They'd gone in the garden to pray as we've studied the last several weeks. Judas knew of that garden. Judas said, hey, when we come in the garden, it's going to be dark. By the way, there were no streetlights. How many of you realize that? There were no streetlights in the garden. Uh, there were no streetlights anywhere, but there were no streetlights in the garden. Uh, hard to see. <clears throat> they would all have been dressed the same. They would have all had the same type of haircut, the same, uh, probably most of them the same facial hair, uh, the same race. They would look the same. Jesus just looked like an average, ordinary person like any of the other disciples that followed with him. And so Judas said, I'll tell you what I'll do. We know it was dark because they came with torches. They, they came so they could see. And Judas said, when we get there, I'm going to go and kiss the one you're going to take. Just so there's no question. I don't want you to get the wrong one. I don't want to lose the money. They're going to pay me. And he goes to kiss the Lord. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. March 15th, in the year 44 B.C. Julius Caesar, who had a dear friend by the name of Brutus, would come to his end. Brutus, the close, dear friend of Julius Caesar, would join those that would seek to overthrow and take the life of Caesar. The assassination plot was carried out as Caesar would arrive at the Roman Senate, as I mentioned, March 15th, 44 B.C. At first, historians tell us that Caesar resisted the attack until he looked amongst those that were attacking him and he saw the face of his friend. He saw the face of Brutus. Historians tell us he covered his face and resigned himself to his death. William Shakespeare, in the play that he would pen, would give the words to Caesar et tu Brute, which is to say, you too, Brutus. Immediately following those words, then fell Caesar by his closest of friends. A greater, a greater hurt, a greater pain, a greater deception was that of Judas as he came with a kiss. He who said, I love you. He who said, I, I, I'm one of yours. I follow you. By the way, Judas was not a true follower of Jesus Christ. Judas was much like many in our culture today. They know Jesus. They know the spiritual jargon. They, they want to be connected sometimes with that. But they're not true believers. They're not true believers. They just mimic. I've been in the bush before, northern Alberta, 
and I've heard what sounds like people talking. And it was a raven. Ravens can mimic sounds. Ravens are extremely intelligent. Extremely, extremely, extremely intelligent. Amazing creatures, giant birds. And they can oftentimes even sound like some, a person talking because they can mimic sounds they hear. Thousands of vocalizations they have. Now, if a raven learns to mimic perfectly Colton's voice, I'll hire him. Now, if he learns to mimic perfectly Colton's voice, that doesn't make that raven Colton. It makes that raven capable of pretending to sound like Colton. Judas was guilty of pretending to act like a Christian, pretending to look like a Christian, pretending to look like a follower of Christ. Let her be in your notes here. We see the kiss of Judas, but let her be, we see the kindness of Jesus. And this, this point here, this thought, is what I want us to bring home today as we think about this matter of forbearance. In Matthew 26 and verse 50, and I joked a bit here as I read the verse, it actually says, and Jesus, in verse 50, said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Now, Jesus knew exactly what Judas was doing. Jesus didn't say friend because Judas came and kissed him. Oh, my friend, man, it's so good to see you. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Jesus knew why Judas came. He saw the soldiers. He knows all things, all things that have ever happened, all things that will ever happen. He's omniscient, as uh, I believe Colton was teaching just a few weeks ago. He, he has that knowledge of everything. No question about that. So he was not surprised. He knew exactly what was in Judas's heart. He knew exactly what was in Judas's mind. So when he called him friend, it was not because he was duped. It was not because he was shocked later to find out he came to take him. He called him friend because of the kindness and forbearance of Christ. What an illustration of the amazing grace of our God. The enemy of Christ, the one that would be used as the tool, as the weapon to bring him to be crucified, which the devil's goal perfectly played out as the devil thought. And yet we see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus calls him friend, as he calls him friend. Now, Peter didn't have that thought. <laughs> We know a bit later that Peter will pull out his sword. By the way, I don't think he was just after Malchus. I think he was going to start with Malchus. I think he was going to keep swinging. By the way, the Bible says they came with, with torches and with spears. and was, I mean, they had weaponry. They were outnumbered. But Peter said, man, I'm going down fighting. But Jesus here, we see his grace. We see him referred to as friend. Christ didn't even rebuke him. The way Jesus felt about Judas, Christian, don't miss this. The way Jesus felt about Judas did not depend on what Judas did or how Judas acted. 
Christian, if you could understand that, it would revolutionize your life. The way God feels about you does not depend upon what you do and how you impress him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Before Bernard got saved, you did get saved, didn't you, Bernard? We're praying. Before Bernard got saved, when he was a dirty, rotten, reprobate, uh, I wish Brother Dries was here, he would testify. But before Brother Bernard got saved, God said, I love him. I love him so much, I'm going to die for him. I'm going to give myself for him. And by the way, after Bernard trusted Christ, one day he said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to commit this sin. I don't know, maybe the sin of talking to Jerice, whatever it was. God didn't say, why did I love him? Man, I wish I could take it back. He's not doing exactly what I want. No. Nothing could be further from the truth. Christian, God's love for you is not affected by what you do. When we can grab a hold of that and understand that God loves me and the salvation of Christ that I've received, I don't add anything to it. I don't make it better. I, I don't keep it. I don't hang on to it. Amen. I've received it, and God's love doesn't change. His love doesn't grow more. My wife, uh, on my 20, I think it was my 20th birthday. Yeah, my 20th birthday. How many of you remember your 20th birthday? I remember my 20th birthday. I remember my first, well, several birthdays. I remember my 18th birthday very vividly because I wrecked my dad's car on that day. I bounced my girlfriend's head off the windshield in the parking lot. Uh, she broke my windshield, brother of mine. I, it was not a good day, very memorable day. I remember my 19th birthday. My 19th birthday, I got a phone call that my grandfather had gone to hospital and I had to fly home. But my 20th birthday, I remember for a better reason. <laughs> my 20th birthday, I remember because that's the day that I, on the way to work, I looked over at my friend Jeremy and I said to Jeremy, I said, hey, I've decided I'm going to marry Carrie. I said, I'm going to propose to her at Christmas. We're going to get married next summer. My 20th birthday. And he said to me, does she know? I said, not yet, but I'm going to tell her. <laughs> I didn't tell her until Christmas that year. But that day, before I got in the car, before I drove to work, before I had the conversation with Jeremy, my friend, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, gave me a, I think it was an Otis Spunkmeyer uh, cupcake muffin. It was a chocolate chip, chocolate muffin with a candle on top and she may have given me something else I remember that but she gave me that cupcake as a birthday cake and after I told her the story about telling Jeremy that I was going to marry her uh, she said it must have been the cupcake uh, the cupcake won me over now we don't give anything to God that causes him to love us more so when Jesus called Judas friend Understand, Jesus wasn't mocking Judas. We see the pure truth of the love of God revealed. The kindness of the heart of Christ. By the way, the one who would hang between heaven and hell for you and me 
And as he would be dying, he would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We're talking the man who drove the nails in the wrist of our Lord. Father, forgive them. The man standing there who had held the whip, who ripped the flesh from his body. Father, forgive him. We see here the kindness of Christ, the kindness of Jesus. The Bible calls him the friend of sinners. The friend of sinners. How fitting Jesus would call him friend. How fitting Jesus would call him his friend. Our response when we're wrong says much about our character. Our response when someone does something we don't agree with says much about our character. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 that the Lord is our example. We're to forbear one another. Ephesians chapter 4, we see that it's stated in Colossians 3.13 that we're to be forbearing and forgiving of one another. You know, we can only wonder what the world would think if we would respond with the forbearance of Christ in our situations of life. Christ was love and kindness incarnate. God is love. And we see that picture here. We're to seek to be like him. Ephesians 4 says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, with forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We see the picture here. Colossians 3.12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We don't like that. We don't want to forgive the way Christ forgave. We want to forgive once somebody earns our forgiveness. That's the way we feel. I want to make sure somebody does something that they deserve my forgiveness, but I'm not forgiven unless they deserve it. Unless they really beg for my forgiveness. Unless I really feel they've totally changed. Or I, I really, I'm not forgiving them. But the Bible says that we're to forgive as Christ forgave. As Christ forgave. Galatians 5 speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 22 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, peace, faith, excuse me, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. In the book of 1 Corinthians, another passage I'm going to read for you, chapter 13, verse 4. That chapter about love or charity. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind, verse 4. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Can I tell you, if you and I had been in the garden, I know what I would have done. Brother Bonnie, you'd have probably helped me. When Jesus said, you know, Judas is going to betray us. 
When we got to the garden, I'd have said to Brother Bonnie, hey, let's watch for Judas. When he gets here, you hold him, I'll hurt him. We'd have captured him. <laughs> I'd have tortured him. Brother Jeff, it would not have been good for him. When Jesus said it would been better, he'd not been alive. That would have been me. I'd have been, man, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to protect you, Jesus. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to let him get near you. I see the soldiers, man. We're going we're gonna to get Jesus away. We're going to keep him safe. That would have been my attitude. I'm going to protect Jesus from Judas. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't need to be protected. But Peter's heart needed to be protected. And my heart needs to be protected against my fleshly response, against my desire to get ahead of Christ, against my desire to lift myself up above those that I feel not worthy or below me. Jesus here, his long-suffering, his kindness shows forth here a lesson of forbearance. Many parallels between the life of Jesus of Joseph, excuse me, and Jesus. At Camp Joy this year, our theme, Pastor Buchert's theme as he preached, and unfortunately I missed several of the messages because I tried to, tried to break myself. That's a good word. I tried to pretend I was evil Knievel. Uh, I, the messages were on, Jude, or on Joseph. We see Joseph, Joseph's life as you parallel and watch the life of Joseph as you lay his life beside Christ, we see many pictures, many types in Joseph's life, many pictures of Jesus. One of the striking parallels between Joseph and Jesus is his brothers <laughs> said, toss him down in a pit. How many of you think they lowered him gently? How many of you think they probably tossed him in there? I personally think they were hoping when he hit the bottom, he'd just be dead. We're done with him. Oh, man, he's still alive. I think we should kill him. What do you think? That's literally the discussion that happened up top. And one of the brothers said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not kill him. Hoping to try to save him out of there. Eventually they said, yeah, you're right. Let's not kill him. Let's make something out of this. I mean, we want to get rid of him, sure, but... If we can get rid of them and get something out of the deal, that's a better deal. So let's sell them. By the way, just as Jesus was sold. 20 rather than 30 pieces, but another purchase. He was sold as a slave. He was, his brothers were the ones responsible. Now when Joseph would go through Potiphar's house, he would go through the prison and he would enter the palace and he would receive more power than anyone in all the kingdom save Pharaoh himself. The most powerful man in the world other than Pharaoh at that time was Joseph. No man that carried more weight than Joseph. What Joseph said was law as long as it did not cross Pharaoh. His brothers show up. You know what you and I would have done? Hey, come with me. I want to show you a pit. 
Peter wanted to toss each one of them in there one at a time. Sell them all as slaves one at a time. Maybe have them beaten, have them tortured, and finally take their life for what they had done to Joseph. That'd be our fleshly response. I'm going to get back at them. What did, what did Joseph say? By the way, his brothers believed that he didn't kill them only because of their dad. He doesn't want to hurt dad's feelings. Once dad is dead, the brothers get over here and go, we're in trouble. When dad dies, he's killing us. He, we're done. You know what we did to him. But the Bible tells us that Joseph said, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen. Well, that's wonderful to read, isn't it? That feels all warm and fuzzy inside when you read that verse. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Think about those that have wronged you in your life. The things you've gone through that you shouldn't have had to go through. I'm not denying this morning that we have things in our life that we, heartaches and hardships that we should not have had to go through. But rather than getting bitter, rather than having hatred, rather than seeking retribution, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Jesus on the cross cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It was the plan of God. We see the kindness of Jesus, even in the beginning, dealing with Judas. How do we treat people who mistreat us? Let's follow the example of Joseph. And most certainly the example of Jesus. Judas would come. He would kiss his cheek. Only for the soldiers to take him out. What a difference, what a contrast between the response of Christ and the response of Peter. Christian, if we look at our own life just this week, if you look at how you responded to the situations of life, how would Christ respond? What would he do? I'll never forget about, I don't even know if I can do the math anymore, I'm getting so old, 27 years ago. About 27 years ago, I was working in sales for a company that I would work for for several years. I would work in production for a while, but at the time I was working in sales. And I was walking past my boss's office. We're talking a big company, a uh, multi-million dollar company, not, not, a, not a little shady little business. This was a huge, huge, huge company. I'm walking past the boss's office. Big window, beautiful office. And as I walked past his office, a guy that worked with me walked up to me, and we wore our uh, uniform was khaki pants and a green polo shirt with our company logo. So I was green and khaki. That was every day of my life. Uh, I, 
And I had my button-up polo short sleeve golf type shirt on, you know, no tie, obviously, shirt unbuttoned. And a quote-unquote friend of mine <laughs> walked up, and with my shirt unbuttoned, he reached and grabbed my chest hair, Brother Ahmad, and he pulled the hair right here on my chest. It was right in front of my boss's office. And I said, Father, forgive him. He knows, no, I didn't do that. I said, friend, what are you doing? I didn't say that. No, I, I was very much like Peter. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know what was happening. All in a minute, I'm walking. The next minute, someone's grabbing me and just my arm, I knocked the arm out of the way and about right here, I realized what I was doing. I'm not sure if you've ever tried to pull a punch back before or not. I did try to slow it down, Brother Jeff, but I still flattened him. I didn't knock him out. Praise God, I did pull back. But this happened right in front of my boss's office, big window. Boss is looking out and just watch me drop a guy in the office. And about right here, I realized... And I even said, sorry, or something, and I tried to pull back, but I caught the guy square in the jaw. And he's about my size, maybe bigger than me. He hit the ground. And I looked, and I said, man, I tried to stop it. And he's holding his face. He's shaking. I know. My boss came out laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing in all the world. Had that been 2023, I'd have probably gone to jail. Uh, he came out just slapping his leg, laughing. Thought it was the funniest thing that he'd ever seen in his whole life. And both of us are like, we're not going to lose our job. But that reaction, very much like Peter. By the way, we all have that knee-jerk reaction. Our natural reaction is not to forbear. That takes work. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we need to realize that as we see the picture here of Jesus interacting with Judas, as we see the contrast to Peter, we need to learn, Christian. We need to learn to forbear. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, to be like Christ. Help us not to react, but help us to act according to the Holy Spirit's leading. Help us to honor you in all our relationships and everything we do. God, help us to show forth the love of God to a, a world that does not love you, to a world that has no care or no concern. God, help us to love and forbear. Help us to be long-suffering. Lord, as Jesus was the friend of sinners, God, help us to be the friend of sinners. Help us to love those that need the love of Christ. Lord, bless us now. Be with us in our service to come. Lord, may you be glorified today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.